Welcome to Muscle Intelligence Podcast. We've got an amazing episode for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, Jay Cutler, the legend, the bodybuilding champion, Mr. Olympia, joins me today for the first time ever on the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. And Jay and I have been friends for quite a long time. So it's definitely a long time coming to get him on the show. Uh, Jay and I dive deeply into his entire journey. Jay's had such an incredible impact on me as a man, as an athlete. He's always been such a great supporter. He's always been such a great gentleman. And he's always been someone who allowed me to realize that you can get to the top of the world and still be kind and still be generous and still be a gentleman. And it's truly an honor to sit down and chat with Jay today. And Jay and I throughout the years have had some really great conversations. And uh, this one's definitely nothing short. Jay dives into a lot of his mindset um, all the way from the beginning. He had a really fast journey to the top of the bodybuilding world and how to deal with all that stress must have just been so, so challenging. And he, he discusses exactly what it looked like for him how he progressed, how he thought, maybe even some of his biggest challenges and how he was ultimately able to overcome those. So thank you so much to Jay Cutler for joining me today. And thank you for you to, for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to sit down with me and Jay as we have this really personal discussion about his life and some of his biggest disappointments that he had to bounce back from. It was really an honor and a blessing to invite uh, someone who inspired me right from day one. And I tell a little bit about my story there as well. So today's podcast is brought to you by Buy Optimizers. You guys know Buy Optimizers is a very long time sponsor of the podcast. My favorite magnesium on the planet, magbreakthrough.com slash muscle intelligence is where you're going to go to get hooked up with 10% off if you use the code muscle10. One more time, that's magbreakthrough.com slash muscle intelligence, or you can just go to magbreakthrough.com and use the code muscle10 to get hooked up with 10% off. They've got so many amazing products that I really use on a regular basis. Things like Masszymes, which you've heard me talk about a lot. Uh, Mag Breakthrough has seven different magnesiums, all the different magnesiums you're going to need or want on a day-to-day basis. We've also got some other great products in there like P3OM, which is a proteolytic digestive uh, probiotic. They've also got Capex for anybody who wants to optimize a ketogenic diet, optimize the way your body first digests and breaks down fat, breaks down fat, and then ultimately assimilates and utilizes fat. So if you're on a ketogenic diet, that's one of the products I suggest to most of my clients who do like a ketogenic diet, because it sometimes can be a little bit challenging first to break down all that fat and then to absorb and assimilate all that fat and utilize all that amazing energy. So thank you so much to Buy Optimizers for hooking us up. You can head over to buyoptimizers.com and use the code MUSCLE10 or go to Mag Breakthrough directly and use the code MUSCLE10 to get hooked up with their entire line of products. Enjoy the show with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Jay Cutler. And the myth, the legend, Jay Cutler. Welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast, my friend. Been a minute. It's been a minute, man. I was excited. I was excited when you reached out to me because, you know, I think about you a lot and, uh, you know, I do follow your, your stuff out there and, you know, it's always impressive how someone can go from, you know, what we did to now, uh, being on the other side of, um, you know, not only success in bodybuilding, but, you know, giving in the knowledge to a lot of people out there, the proper and uh, the technical ways to do things. And, uh, you know, I've always been a fan of it. And, you know, I lo- always love to see the progress. So it's, it's really great that we get to catch up. Thanks, brother. Dude, it's been too long. And uh, man, I, I appreciate it. Like, I, I, just like in bodybuilding, I was a student of bodybuilding. And now I'm a student of health and business. And I think I'm more obsessed with business now than I was with bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. So it's fun, man. I, I never, never stopped learning. Our, uh, 
you know, we get addictive, right? We get addictive and, you know, we became weight trainers. And I remember you when you had the bleach blonde hair, you know, I met you at at the Decatur Gold's gym and I I said, man, this guy with the big legs and sooner or later, there you were coming up through the ranks. And it was really hard for the Canadian guys to break through. And you were able to, you know, be one of those guys that people talked about and, you know, was able to be relevant. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to see that. And now, of course, you migrated to better things, right? Yeah, it feels that way, man. Helping more people, man. It's funny that you, know, you were always such a huge supporter of me, man. I know you probably did it in passing and probably didn't mean much to you, but at the time it meant a lot to me. You're always so encouraging. And even, even at the Olympia, I think it was 2012, when you're like, you know, Ben's one of my guys. And I was like, man, I feel like I almost let you down because I wasn't at my best, but uh, it was really, it was really encouraging to hear that, man. So I, I'm, I'm super grateful for you. Yeah, man. It's awesome. Yeah. So dude, tell me what's going on now. I know you've got an amazing supplement company. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing really well with that. Um, again, you, you've transitioned out of bodybuilding better than anyone else seems to ever have. And and what's new with Jay Cutler? You know, it's kind of funny because, you know, I was one of these guys that, you know, I stepped away from competing, you know, in 2013, I really kind of stepped away in 11 when Phil Heath beat me uh, after I tore my bicep, you know, I had to recover. So I skipped 2012, as you know, and I came back in 13. And that was the last year I was 40. And at that point, I already had kind of transitioned from a magazine guy to social media. And we, you know, Instagram started pretty heavily around that time. Um, you know, 2012, I think really people started catching on. And, and then, of course, YouTube videos and, and uh, you know, we had to learn how to kind of market ourselves. And at the time, you know, I started a brand in a partnership with a, with a brand out of Florida. And, you know, I was traveling the world. Uh, going to Expo uh, all over the place, you know, Brazil and South America, uh, you know, Dubai. And, uh, you know, I, I slowly um, found myself becoming more of the business guy, even though during bodybuilding, I was kind of known as the guy that focused on a lot of business because I had the mail order. I was selling t-shirts out of my garage. Um, I did a lot of the DVD sales, which was our early social media and uh, since then, man, I, I've, you know, I've kind of taken, I've taken full control of the supplement company about three and a half years ago, had great success, focused more on direct to consumer, Amazon based, uh, really kind of the products have changed quite a bit, ingredients, formulations, uh, you know, we, we've seen, you know, now the inter-workout products become more popular. Uh, we got away from some of the, the crazy ingredients now that are banned. And, uh, you know, I, I focus now on just getting on social media and being one of those guys that, you know, as I get closer to 50, uh, still showing that you can be healthy, you can train, um, and be successful no matter what the age is, there's no limitations and it's never too late to start. That's, you know, the kind of now, as I get to, you know, I'm 48 years old and the the most common question I get, is it too late to start? And I guess it depends on the level you're trying to get to. Uh, but I find l- less people now are trying to focus on being a professional bodybuilder at the Olympia level, uh, but rather being either a weight loss person or someone just trying to stay in great health. You know, I find myself in the gym every day um, doing movements that are, you know, aren't injury prone exercises and just trying to be as smart as possible because I want to train until I'm 70 years old. There's no question. Yeah, for sure, man. So Jay, I grew up uh, a big fan of Jay Cutler, man. And, and mm-hmm. early in your career, I was just fascinated. I, I probably haven't ever told you this story, man. 1999, 
I was at the Mr. Olympia. It was your first Olympia, right? 99? Yeah, 99. So I was sitting was in Mandalay Bay. I'm sitting like in the back. <laughs> and I see this guy. And I'm like, and I didn't know I didn't know who you were. And I see, yeah. I see you there. I was like, that's the next Mr. Olympia right there. And you could just see it in your structure, man. I could just see it. And obviously, it, it moved forward. And, and you obviously did a lot of work and, and became an amazing Mr. Olympian champion. But I want to walk back to that, like, pre-1999 Jay Cutler and talk about what really um, you know what? Tell me about a little bit about your 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 journey back then, because I've never been able to pick your brain on that, man. But I was so um, kind of enthralled with you were so young at the time, mm-hmm. and so able to kind of come up so quick, and you said so much muscle. I'm just curious, like you know, tell me about young, early baby Jay Cutler. Yeah, it, you know, I mean, I was 25 at my first Olympia, and I finished almost dead last at that contest. So it's funny that you say that this guy's the you future, see it, right? Man. Your legs were huge. Your shoulders are wide. You yeah. It? It, and I was really disappointed, but I'm going to, I'm going to reverse back to, um, my early days. So when I was 11, my brother started a concrete business. I, this was in central Massachusetts throwing. I have three brothers, three sisters. And my brother started this concrete company and, and my dad worked and my mom was living away at the time. So my parents were separated when I was really young and my brothers used to drag me to work doing the concrete when I was 11. Like I would work after school, school vacations, you know, weekends, anytime I had free time, sometimes before school, um, you know, we, we worked around the clock and that's really what kind of started the early days of the mentality of like having that commitment to something. And then of course the ruggedness of doing concrete, carrying concrete forms, I developed a crazy physique into my teenage years. You know, there's 11, 12, 13. I was always like the most muscular kid and I was an athlete. So in, in high school, I played football, but around that, you know, I was toying in the weight room, just going in bench pressing and squatting. I was always the strongest kid. And for some reason, you know, I, I picked up a book when I was 12 and I saw a picture of Chris Dickerson, who's no longer with us. He passed, you know, last year. Um, and I said, this is how I want to look, but I didn't know, really know what it was. And, you know, through high school, I picked up books that only at GNC, cause that's, you know, they didn't even have Barnes and Nobles and those kind of places yet. And I would see these magazines and I learned about Rich Gaspari and Sean Ray and all these guys. And I said, you know what, at 18, I'm going to join the gym. And I started in college at the time, pursuing a degree in criminal justice. And I, by that point, I was already 200 pounds when I graduated high school and I joined the gym my 18th birthday. And started my journey. I started my journey. I started lifting weights. I picked up books in the, in the gym and just kind of read through magazines. And I watched guys work out. Didn't really know how to diet. I would ask around and people like eat pasta and peanut butter and, you know, really no structure. Right. Somehow by circumstance, I grew. And maybe it's because I started college and stopped doing the concrete because I was doing that so often. And when I started college, I was trying to break away from the family business. And I was packing food with me at school each day and the kids would kind of like snicker at me a little bit, you know, and be like, you know, what's this guy doing? And I had some decent progress. And next thing I knew, I mean, I had a guy that ran the gym. It was local Gold's gym in Worcester. And he said, man, you know, you're making some progress. And, you know, I know you don't have a lot of money because I was a struggling college student at the time. He's like, you know, I'll give you a free gym membership. We're going to have this local contest here. And it was like the, the spring of 1992. And I did this gold's gym classic. It was like a closed show for just our gym. And I finished second in the men's division. I did, I didn't compete in the teenage division. I did the men's. And, uh, right then I started getting like a lot of attention from the outer outskirts of Worcester, Massachusetts. And 
Next thing you know, this guy, Lou Zawick, who ran American Muscle Magazine in California, started calling the gym because the word got out that there was this up and coming young kid. And for some some reason, he called Chris Aceto, who was about two hours away, who's a very well-known nutritionist in our business. And he said, hey, I want you to take a look at this young kid. He's in Worcester. And uh, he came down and took a look at me. You know, for some reason, he was driving through going to New York and Worcester was like from Maine. It was like halfway distance. And he uh, he said, you know, he called Lou and he said, the kid looks pretty good, you know, whatever. And he kind of wrote me out a, a diet plan. I stuck that diet plan on refrigerator. It was just like six meals a day, basic. I mean, what, what a bodybuilder menu would be, you know, egg whites and oatmeal for breakfast, you know, chicken, potato for meal too, whatever. And I followed that for six months. And for some reason, Chris came back through six months later, Lou said, Hey, go to this guy's making good progress. And Chris Aceto came back through and he called Lou Zewick and he said, Holy shit, this kid's going to be Mr. Olympia. He knew it. Wow. He knew it. And and uh, from that day forward, I mean, he took me under his wing and taught me about training, nutrition. I just went to the gym. I was very dedicated. I was in college at the time. I, you know, I graduated with a two-year degree in 1993. And at that point, I went to the T Nationals. I competed against Branch Warren. Who we so know you were 19 well. at the time? I was 19, just about to turn 20. And, you know, Luzewick convinced me to go to the T Nationals. And I didn't know anything about it. I competed in a local show like two weeks prior. Chris Aceto took me to a show and he was married to Laura Cavell at the time. And she was like second best in the world. She's a Canadian fellow Canadian yep. with you. And, uh, you know, I won the men's and the teenager division. So I had it. And then I went to T nationals and I won the heavyweights there. I lost the overall, the branch Warren. And, you know, probably like two weeks after this was 1993. I got a trip. I, I had an opportunity to go to California and watch the Mr. USA. You talk about, like you sitting at the uh, Mr. Olympia in 99 and looking and saying, wow, this was like the first big show I'd been to. And Chris Cormier won that show and it had Craig Titus in it, Paul DeMeo, Mike Francois, like all the big names you saw in the books, right? This is before social. So I sat there and I remember I got a chance to walk into Gold's Gym Venice and I walked in and you've been there a million times and that air coming through the back, right? Like the beach air and everything. And I looked at the walls and I said, man, this is what I want to do. And I knew right then I wanted to be, and I just wanted to teen national. So some people knew the word had kind of spread and I walked in there and I already had, you know, gone up to like 240. It was like a couple of weeks later, I competed at like 215 at that show and everyone was coming up and Ed Connors, I met Ed Connors who owned the gym. And he said, Hey, come stay at my house. And, and, uh, next that was, that was history, man. That was where it all started. And I, decided at that moment when I walked in Gold's Venice and I saw those pictures on the wall of the Mr. Olympian at the time, it was only Dorian Yates was the last because he was the current, right? Yep. I said, this is what I want to do. So, man, let's talk about Ed Connors because I've never actually talked about it on the show. And, and Ed's yeah. had such a pivotal role in so many people's lives. And he's getting old, man. And I hope I hope I can actually one day have him on the show because, like, everyone knows he is in bodybuilding. But I'm sure the listeners of the podcast won't have any clue about Ed. But so tell us about how Ed influenced your life and maybe how he how he helped you out. Yeah. So you guys that don't know Ed Connors, so he owned Gold's Gym at the time. I think there was a few partners, but he was like the he was like the marketing guy for it. Like if if someone came into the gym. Ed was always trying to help people out. And he had these, these homes that people would stay. And the home that I actually got to stay at was on the beach, um, right on Oceanfront Walk, which mm-hmm. is like, you, you walk 
out his back door and you're like on the beach of Venice Beach. I think he, I think the house is for sale for like eight or $10 million right now. And at the time, I think I want to say he paid 500 grand for it when the market was just deflated, but we all stayed there. And I mean, it was me and a long list of other guys. And I guess maybe including yourself, he played a role in that, but you know, he was one of these guys, like you need to come out here. You need to be seen. You need to be shot in the, the gym and I'll give you some clothes and, you know, I'll offer assistance to try to introduce you to people. But he gave me ideas on how to become successful. And of course, you know, Lee Priest was there at the time in 90, like 93, 94, when I popped out there and he was like a six months older than me. And he was unbelievable. I always said he was the most impressive guy I've ever seen to this day. Um, even that includes Ronnie Coleman and everyone else. Like Priest was crazy for his age. Yeah. And Ed, you know, he just, you know, he spent time with me. He offered his, opened his doors to his home. And, you know, at the time, my girlfriend and I, you know, who actually became my wife, you know, we, we stayed at his house and, you know, it was like, that was amazing to me. Like, I didn't even really know the guy, but Chris Aceto knew him because Chris used to work out there as a nutritionist and Chris had moved back to Maine like a year or two prior. So he's like, yeah, he's okay. And you know, cause you don't know people. Right. Oh yeah. And next thing you knew, like anytime I went out there, he always opened his door to me. And I always sometimes forget to include Ed Connors in the great success of Jay Cutler, because without Ed, I don't think I would have had that extra push um, because he was like, you, you need to be out here and you need to be visible and you need to be you know, walking around presentable all year, don't get overly fat and whatever else. And like, he was just, a, he was like a, a second dad to me, you know? And uh, he kind of just put me in that position to be more confident. Um, but also, like I said, I, I had a place to stay. So I, I stayed with him even in 99. I think I went out there after the Arnold. I competed in the Arnold that year prior to when you saw me at the Olympia and I actually stayed yeah. at his house. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't know like how many people Ed helped, right? All, all the way back to Rich Gaspari and John Cena and Dennis Wolf and like so many incredible bodybuilders. I, I think mean, Mike Matarazzo, Mike yeah. Quinn, I mean, uh, Jim Quinn, everybody, the ultimate warrior was there. I mean, the list goes on and on. And to this day, I still go overseas and I still run into people and they're like, yeah, Ed Connors, you know, is helping me. And I'm like, how is he still doing all this? Because he sold yeah, the totally. Gold's Gym. I mean, he sold those homes and I don't even know where he's living, but I'm sure you'd love to be on the show and tell us kind of his background. He'd be a great segment. I mean, he's been on a couple of these podcasts, but I think it'd be really cool to be on yours because there's a story with you, right? Yeah, yeah. So every time he's in Tampa for the Tampa Pro, he always comes by the gym and he hangs out for a little bit. And I think we went for coffee a couple of times. So yeah, I'm super grateful for Ed, man. So he he was one of the first people that took me out to California and introduced me to, this, to the scene, just like yourself, man. After, for myself in 2007, after the North Americans, so I, you know, kind of came on the scene fast. I knew who I was. I got second behind Eric Fankhauser by one yeah. point. And um, at, at that, at that, after that show, I just brought me out and he's like, Hey man, you got a future in the sport. And I was super grateful for that. Yeah. Um, man. So 1999, your first Olympia, you're walking on stage at 25. Tell me how that felt. Man. I thought I was going to stand next to Ronnie Coleman and challenge him. I really right. did. And when I stood in the back, and I got last call out, like it was only one call. And I think it was pop. I was with Pavel Jablonicki and John Claude, uh, John, John Fuchs, John Pierre Fuchs. Yeah. Th those Still were like, great bodybuilders, man. Yeah, but like, I think Fuchs was only put only guy I beat. And then 
Pavel was like one placing ahead of me. So he's like 14. I was 15 and Fuchs was 16. There was only 16 guys. And I was devastated. I mean, I went back to the hotel room at Mandalay Bay and I remember Chris in the room and, you know, my ex-wife, Carrie, and we were like, is this, am I good enough? You know, am I good enough? And, you know, Chris was a little confused because I just didn't get the comparison. And I'm leading up to that show. I really thought I looked really great. And, uh, you know, a little devastated, but, you know, once you have a few meals and you kind of reevaluate things. And at the time I was in transition and moving from Massachusetts to California, Joe Weeder, you know, was like, listen, I want you closer to the books. It was very important to be close to muscle and fitness. I was on a contract with him at the time. And he gave me a big raise to move to California. So I moved to Orange County in November. So that show was in September of 99. And around Thanksgiving, I moved to California, packed up and headed out there. And I just went right back to work. And as history shows, you know, in May, the next year, 2000, I won the night of champions, which, you know, I just, I went right back to it and I beat people like Paul Dillette, Marcus rule. Lee priest was in that show. It's my first pro win. And, uh, you know, that was like huge for me. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, man. So what I saw at that, at that 99 Olympia, obviously you weren't, you, you probably can look at the photos, but like the structure was there, the, mm -hmm. the muscularity in the legs was there. The back was there just needed a little bit more like that five or 10 pounds. And you're just there. And obviously that's what you went away and did between September and May and, and stepped on and just crushed everybody, man. And then 2000, did you, is that you get second in 2000? Is that the first year you got second? No, I got, I got eighth after. So oh. I won the NOC, which is now the New York pro. And I went to the Olympia and to be honest, I was a little burnt out and, you know, I went to the Olympia and I finished eighth. And the funny thing is, Ben, as I'll say it now, I was better in 99 than I was in 2000 at the Olympia. Really? Yeah. And, and I finished eighth and remember top 10 requalified for the next year then yeah. because there were so little shows we didn't have. I mean, now you see there's shows every month now to qualify and they have a whole point system. So it's different, but so top 10 requalified. So I was able to say, you know what? Uh, I was, had a great contract at the time I was, you know, just focused on the business. I was traveling. I was getting guest appearances. Joe had put me in the book. So I was becoming super popular face in muscle and fitness and flex. So I was in California. Like, to be honest, once I moved to California, it was like moving from East to West. I didn't have to deal with the weather change. Like it was just beautiful. You know how California is. Yeah, yeah. And I was waking up with a smile on my face. I was training. I was around that culture. And I was able to sit out all of, 2001 until the Olympia because of the qualification the year prior. And that's when I, um, I did the Olympia in 2001 and placed second for the first time and started the record from there. Um, but to go back after the 2000 Olympia, where I placed eighth, I went on tour. They had a European tour at that time. And I went on tour and it was just myself and Ronnie Coleman were the two big names there. And I actually finished second to him at like three different contests there. And I actually got to stand next to Ronnie for the first time and, and realized that, you know what, I'm not that far away. Right. And I remember Chris Aceto saying that after we finished that tour and I finished those second place finishes, kept, you know, picked up some nice checks. He said, Jay, you're going to beat this guy. He said, another year you can beat Ronnie Coleman. And I'm like, okay, you know, we'll see what happens. And literally I went back 
back to work. I trained, you know, I was doing twice a day workouts. Then I would do two body parts a day, large body part in the, in the morning and a smaller one in the afternoon. I live the bodybuilder program. I, I truly think, and I, I, I love to say this because I was mo- the more dedicated guy than anyone. I believe at that time, because I would eat my six, seven meals a day. I didn't do anything social. I would eat, sleep and train. Like I was on a, like a time clock. And yep. every day I had my workout schedule and nothing spectacular with the diet. I just tried to get as much calories as I could, um, got bigger in the off season. And here we are, we circulated to 2001. And as you know, 9-11 tragedy happened six weeks prior. So Vegas was a little uncertain at the time because it was under high alert. And it, remember, it was very close to me. It was only four hour drive. So, you know, I ended up going out a week early. I got acclimated to Vegas. And I remember telling people like Lonnie Teeper, like, how do you predict you're going to do? Remember, I was eight the, the year the year prior. I said, I'm going to win. I looked that good. You know, leading up to the show, I'd done some photo shoots. Everyone was talking about me, but word doesn't spread like social media. Now you post a picture and the world knows. Right. Like only few people knew, but the deep circles knew like I was coming. And when I showed up on stage, the luck of the draw. I drew number two next to Ronnie Coleman, who was number one. And that was, we talk about a little luck sometimes. And I feel like if I would have drawn 10, I would have been on the other side of the stage away from Ronnie. But when I stood there next to Ronnie Coleman, and I looked so great from the front side, I could not be denied. And that's how I ended up, you know, getting called with Ronnie Coleman. And, you know, no one really moves up that fast. Uh, but I was able to get that, that, uh, that look. and history was made. Yeah. Speaking about your consistency, Jay, you said you live the bodybuilding lifestyle from the outside. You almost made it appear easy. Like it seemed like you're just always so consistent. It never seemed like you're struggling. Never seemed like you're tired. You never showed any emotion. Is that the same thing that was going on inside your head? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's so funny. Chris texted me yesterday. Chris Aceto texted me and he's, you know, we were talking about uh, documentaries, you know, cause he's like, you know, your documentary is going to be amazing when you do it about your journey, especially now, as you get older, right. You can kind of reflect back, but he's like, dude, no one's ever going to have the career that you had. It just, he watched me. It was so funny. He's like, I never had to tell you like, you need to work harder or whatever else. I was a machine, man. I literally ate, slept. There was one thing, one goal in my whole life since I was 12. And that was to be the best bodybuilder on the planet. So when I was fighting to get there and now like here I am like knocking at the door, right? I saw the, the, you know, the potential to win it. Like there was just no mistakes. Like there was no room for any error and everything. Like I went through every workout and at the time, Ben, I would journal everything. I wrote down if I walked 10 feet to the refrigerator and how much water I drank. If I went to the grocery store, how much time it took. I have journals with all that stuff in it. I have every food, every ounce of food. I weighed my food in the off season. Uh, you know, I drank as much fluid as I could. I would probably drink in two gallons of water a day. Like I was just so methodical about everything that I did. And I would envision myself every day going through the reps and the sets. Like when I walked in the gym, I literally could walk in there blindfolded and know exactly where I was going to go. And I put myself in those atmospheres where I didn't have to change much. So like, I wasn't taking a ton of guest appearances at the time, especially training for shows like four months down, I'd be like, okay, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I would just focus on just training, but my off seasons were so in depth because I wasn't super busy. And the biggest 
the biggest, not mistake, but it, the, and it's not a regret either because I became super successful financially. But if I would to, was to stay home through all my success and not be the most traveled guy on the planet, I could have been that much greater as a bodybuilder. No question. Yeah. So Jay, now you get to interact with a lot of the current young aspiring, you know, even the top guys in the world, mm-hmm. um, knowing what, how you positioned it, knowing how you approached it. Uh, what are these guys missing? Like, have you met anybody who's got the the same focus and clarity? Um, and you're welcome to name them. You're welcome to not, but I'm curious if you see a difference in the culture of the bodybuilders today compared to when you were doing it. Yeah. I mean, filming and social media phones in the gym, like no one was allowed to carry a phone if they trained with me. Like when I was at that Decatur gym, like no one was allowed. And, you know, we weren't filming sets and reps and whatever back then. I mean, Mitts would come for the battle for the Olympias and my DVDs. And I remember telling him, don't talk to me. Just don't, don't say one word because, and, and it showed in the videos. I mean, any of you guys can go on YouTube and watch these, you know, I don't say one word. I just, yeah. I'm just like a robot. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to look at like a Chris Bumstead who I feel is the most popular and I'm going to call him a bodybuilder. Okay. Because he is anyone that I feel any division is considered a bodybuilder, but he's got all aspects covered, but you know, they're all victims of social media, meaning like that makes them popular, but because they have to self-market themselves because the magazines aren't doing it for them or their sponsors. Right. But you have to now have your mind. So like when you go do things at the gym, instead of focusing on the weights and reps and sets, you know, you always have that, Oh, I got to film this or whatever else. Or, you know, now we have people coming up in the gyms that, like are coming from all over the world. Like they hear that Chris Bumstead or, or Regan, for example, who's in Vegas now trains at these gyms. They're coming and knowing that these people are there where I remember like when you sat at, you know, I had no idea who you were when you came into Decatur Gold's gym and you walked, watched me walk in and people used to wait for me there. Cause they would know that, Hey, Jay trains, you know, through my DVDs, but it, it's just a lot of distractions now. And I just feel like there's some guys in, a, in their basement who the next like big Ramis or whatever else, but social media is tough, man, because it takes so much extra attention off like you going through your workouts each day. And, and I feel that uh, it misinformation, like all these new training theories of like, like these gurus that come up with stuff. I think it's just, instead of just going to the gym and just hitting the weights hard, like, I I think we've lost touch of that. And then of course, machines, you know, machines have advanced now. So people are staying away from the free weights and man, I loved free weights. And, you know, like I told you when we started this call, we weren't on, on um, recording, but like, I have no restrictions. I have no joint pain. I have no anything. And I was a free weight. I'm still moving free away. I did bent over rows today at the gym, you know, I'd only do 185 bent over rows, but I still T-bar row. I still deadlift. I still squat every, every leg workout. Um, I don't see the guys doing that as much now. Am I right or wrong? I don't know. You're hundred percent right. Do you think, do you think it's because of the instant gratification nature of, of social media where they're just not willing? Like, I don't know about you, man, the same as you, I put in 10 years before anyone, before I fucking took a picture or anyone who I was like at least probably more than 10 years. Right. And uh, I think that's that's missing now because like everyone's like, oh, I have to I have to do this thing now so I can be popular on social media. So they're not willing to put in that long term commitment. 
Yeah, I believe that, but but I don't knock them for it because the, right. no, never. You no, know because different. remember, and you you know, we were paid like someone came to us and said, "We want to pay you to represent us." Like, there's very few opportunities for a lot of guys these days. True. No one's yep. just cutting you a check to be, you know, a full time bodybuilder as much, right? And if right. they do. It turns around, they expect you to be a salesman for their company. Like, okay, mm -hmm. well, how many sales are you going to get us? Let's work off a code. Like the yep. thing is like, you know, Muscle Tech, I want to, I want to give a, a thank you to them because they gave me a huge opportunity. I mean, as much as Joe Weider did also, like, you know, they were like, okay, we're going to brand you. We're going to utilize you. We're going to pay you to use your name and your images. Um, but it's up to us to market you. Like you just show up and be you, your reputation speaks for itself. So you just continue to work hard. You win, do it the best you can. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll look after you. And that's what happened. And I just don't see that as much, um, as much today. And listen, I'm a supplement owner, but no. you know, with my demographics, like, you know, it's just, I have, you know, 10 million social followers with all my channels and, you know, I'm an, able to reach a lot of people. And I think being one of the guys that battled Ronnie, it's given us great visibility, even to this day, like the younger generation follows us. But, you know, I admire like the Regans and the Bumsteads and, you know, some of these young guys, Nick Walker coming up and, you know, Hunter Labrada, because they're like the future, you know, and uh, they have a lot of outlets that they can kind of interact and they can brand themselves. But at the same time, they got to keep working, man. They can't just it's not just sitting on the couch for these guys. You know, the social media is a lot to keep up with, but you know, I, I still, you know, I see these guys training hard, but the less distractions, the better you can perform. There's no question with that. Yeah, for sure. Jay, tell me about a time in your career when you felt like you were struggling. Nine, 90. I mean, I struggled every year, to be honest. I mean, I mean, 99, you know, I told you I sat in that room, questioned my ability um, 2001, I mean, I lost the Olympia where everyone thought I could have won it. I lost to Dexter Jackson in 2008. I was devastated. You know, I came back in 09, like, like a monster. Yeah, um, I told, you know, listen, in, in 2000, I'll tell you the biggest struggle for me was 2011. You know, I was leading into, uh, that Olympia and I was informed by muscle tech, listen, we're going to cut your contract in half, you know, cause they wanted to make room for Phil Heath at the time. I tore my bicep three weeks out. My dog died four weeks out um, that I had for 10 years. Uh, and I was going through a divorce at the time. So for me, you know, and then I lose the Olympia. So then it's like, okay, your whole world comes apart, right? And I knew that that injury was going to be something that wasn't like the Dexter Jackson loss where I was able to just come back. I was just out of, I wasn't in my best shape. Like now I had a torn muscle, which is the first injury in my career. Okay, I'm at I'm at the tail end. I'm 37 at this point. You know, where am I going with this? I mean, I was the biggest earner at the time. I had the biggest contract in history with with Muscle Tech. And, you know, now I had, you know, the the sponsor that had had me under their wing for, you know, almost eight years saying, hey, we're we're making room for the new, new breed, you know, and and wondering where am I going to go with my life? Where am I going to go with my career? Like you never think it's going to end, Ben. Like you never think that. Right. There's going to be an end to your bodybuilding career, especially when you're, when you're me, right. When you're me and you're like the top dog for 10, 10 years, top two in the world. You know, I was first or second for almost 12 years. And here, this young guy, you know, Phil Heath, who I kind of took under my wing that has questionably, you know, he, he could have been 
I mean, he may be the best genetically gifted bodybuilder ever, right? Uh, how am I going to beat this, right? How am I going to beat this? I mean, I'm an older guy now and, you know, I beat people with sheer mass. I can't train like I, I was. And it was a tough time for me, you know, and, you know, like I said, muscle tech, you know, I stepped away and I actually refused the contract because I wasn't going, to, it was my ego. Steve Blackman was sponsoring me at the time with muscle development. I know, you know, there's a lot of mixed feelings about him, but that, that guy stood behind me, um, gave me all the respect and kept me under contract. You know, always, always have respect for him because of how he treated me. Um, and then I found my own way to, to, you know, build my own company. And, and uh, you know, I'm thankful for all the promoters that supported me, that I have relationships with, and, and most importantly, the fans who stayed behind me and still to this day, and the new fans. And yes, I got out there and I worked social media and, you know, built a huge, a bigger following. I mean, I'm more, more recognized now, but that was tough times for me. That was the toughest time was, you know, going through, you know, a relationship. I mean, especially like, you know, with my ex-wife, Carrie, I mean, we were together for, you know, uh, 24 years, you know, yeah. so it was a big change for me. And obviously I've migrated now and, you know, I have a fiance now and, you know, it's been five plus years and it's amazing. And, you know, I, I'm back on top of the world, which is great. Tell me about losing in 2008 and then coming back to, to the package you brought in 2009. I mean, I'm, I don't know if you'll agree. I, I would think that was the best Jay Cutler ever. And your condition was just insane. And I remember like following you up to that show because I just got my pro card. I competed mm -hmm. in the Tampa Pro that year. I was actually qualified for Olympia and I decided not to do it stupidly. Um, had I known, like, you know, I don't know, had I known what I know now, you know? Yeah. I'm curious where your mindset was coming off of Dexter being in 2008 and then <sighs> coming into that 2009. Defeated, man. You know, defeated because Dexter had been one of those guys that I never thought would beat me because of the sheer mass of my physique versus like he was always the smaller guy right yep. um and he was always conditioned like he was one of the most conditioned guys always but you know sometimes the sheer mass and enough conditioning wins over that ripped smaller guy right and you know i just slipped man i, I don't know if i got comfortable or you know i just i was trying to figure things out and i was working with chris Aceto through that whole time and as you know i i'm after i lot i lost you know, I was in a really dark place because I was once again questioning, am I good enough? And I had the big contracts and financially, and I had the fan base, but I mean, all the magazines and all the, the you know, behind the scenes, people kind of like, okay, Jay's done, you know? And it took me a month or two to kind of like let that sink in. And randomly, Hani Rambod reached out to me. We were kind of friendly, but he was always like Team Coleman. But since Coleman was done at this point, you know, we were just friendly. We had spent like an Easter together one year, like a couple years prior. And, you know, we got to, you know, communicate or whatever. And he just hit me up and he just said, you know what, Jay, how are you doing? Like, he was the only one that called to be like, how are you doing? Not like asking about what's next move for you. And, you know, I just said, hey, do you think I can still do it? And he said, oh, there's no question. And never offered assistance. He just said, listen, if you need someone to you know lean on or whatever, I'm here for you. And somehow we linked up in December. And I remember in January, I, I asked him, I said, Hey, do you, can you keep an eye on me? And, you know, I just decided like Chris and I, we spoke after the show and Chris was like, you know, maybe it's just not, we're just not clicking. And, and Chris, I think looked like the people around me, like I had an entourage and, 
And I think at the time, like I was listening to opinions on how I needed to approach things, kind of like the internet does to like people nowadays. Yeah. It, it, it makes you a little confused. And uh, me and Hani got together and, you know, we shot FST7 and Phil Heath was right there. I mean, we all kind of like hung out at my place here, the same house I'm in now. And uh, we kind of set a standard to, to train for 2009. And we weren't sure what the outcome was going to be, to be honest. We didn't, it wasn't like I'm coming just, you know, I'm going to come win it back. It was just like, let's just see what happens. You know, I had a discrepancy in one of my legs, you know, from a football injury in high school. And, you know, I, I had some imbalance issues and I had, I had to overcome that. So I was in therapy all the time. And, you know, I was doing dry needling and cupping before it existed. You know, I had a, a therapist here and, you know, now today everyone seems to be doing this stuff and I found ways to overcome and, you know, Hani worked with me a little bit on the training, the nutrition, eat, eat, eat like more than I ever had before. And I was able to come in really light body weight, 255 was lighter than I had been in the past, 254 actually, just the appearance was just astounding. Like I remember the day of the show, Hani took a picture of me and I said, that's me. Like it was like a back double bicep. And yeah. I remember in the hotel, like, you know, Phil Heath, unfortunately got sick, like a couple days out food poisoning for that show. And I remember Hani was in my hotel room. We were, you know, right across the convention center at the, the residence. And, you know, I went to see him or whatever. And he said, dude, no one's beating you. This is like next level. You've never looked like this in your life. And sure enough, I walked out on stage that night and kind of rewrote history. And it was, talked about to this day the quad stomp was uh was was made you know yeah so what did you guys do differently so was it just was it the entire off season or was it specific things you did in the last um step mill twice a day i never did cardio um, on a step mill ever really 45 minutes twice a day um yeah, just the attention, a uh, lot of unilateral exercises. You know, I was incorporating FST7, so I was doing the seven sets at the end to kind of fill the muscle. Um, you know, nutrition intra-workout, you know, I was using the time like I used his his uh, Evagen product. You know, Evagen wasn't born yet. You know, it wasn't even launched yet, and I was using mm -hmm. the EVP formula he was using. So I was getting like that intra-workout stuff, and then uh, – just, you know what, it just pressing, like I had him in my ear all the time and, you know, he helped with my confidence a lot, but nothing, nothing extraordinary, nothing extraordinary. I mean, no, no secret drug protocol or like, it was just more food. And, you know, I did learn a little anti-estrogens at the end, which I didn't really have the knowledge of prior. So the water was a little less on the physique. And I was, you know, more importantly, trying to hold the fullness. And that's where we, we kind of just really watched at the end. And the food was, like I said, crazy, you know, just, I carved up like crazy at the end and, you know, cut those fluids down. I felt like hell, but I looked great. And uh, that's what brought the best physique. And usually, you know, when you feel the worst, you look the best, right? That's always the joke, right? When you can't yeah. see the crowd in front of you, you know, you, yeah. you look great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Funny, man. That's awesome. And so then, um, you know, fast forward, you still kept competing for a couple of years after that. You still kept coming back and um, did well, obviously crushed it. And then Phil Heath kind of came on and 
Um, how, how was that? I know you guys were like, you guys yeah, still you yeah. know what? Phil Heath was coming up. I never thought he would be the guy to come up and beat me. I never thought he would, you know, cause remember he was eighth. He was th- sorry. He was third in 2008. Mm-hmm. And then 09, he had the mishap and in 10, he was second to me, which, you know, people thought, you know, could have gone either, but it was still a size thing. You know, Phil wasn't up to the size that he became later. And then, of course, 11 happened. I tore the bicep, you know, three weeks out and, you know, he beat me and I was truly happy for him. Like at that point, to be honest, like I wanted to win five titles. That was my old whole goal. I never like I know a few people want to break the record and but I wanted to win five and. I was OK losing to Phil. And like I said, it's a lot happened then. Like, you know, I was going through the divorce and the dog died and, you know, the bicep injury. And I just was happy. How'd you tear your bicep, Jim? I did in a photo shoot, man. I was, you know, three hmm. weeks out and uh, Muscle Tech was here shooting me. And I was, you know, had dumbbells, you know, on my knees. And I kicked them up to do a shoulder press, which I've done countless times. Mm-hmm. Not crazy weight, maybe like 120s at the time. That was nothing for me. It was like my second warm-up set. And when I kicked them up, it it detached um, from the from the upper bicep, yeah. and I didn't how know far, how far from the show was that. Three weeks, hmm. so I thought it was just a strain, you know. And I went back to doing the photo shoot, and I went back to training, and you know, I sent pictures to Hani, and he could see that it was swollen a little bit. Sooner or later, you know, here we are, three three weeks later, the sh- you know the show shows up, and you know, I had a black and blue there, and you know it that I put that color on that dye. And when I put that oil over the dye, it really highlighted that black and blue. And you could see the bicep rolled down and everyone thought it was actually an injection, you know, but it was actually the bicep came down from the shoulder and it ended up, you know, causing a knot there. And then I went to India right after and competed at the Sheru and I lost to Phil there. Also, I was second, you know, I was fortunate enough to get second place and, and uh, like I said, it was a real tur- turning point. I realized that that was closer to the end of my career. And, and uh, but I was happy for Phil because I knew greatness was behind him. Um, and I obviously he went and won seven. And I really thought he was going to break the record. Unfortunately, you know, we saw his physique kind of suffer a little bit. Um, but Phil is just, he's an amazing athlete, but more, of an amazing guy, honestly, like he just, Mm -hmm. we just hit it off from the time we met in 2000. We met in 20, 2004, maybe, or five or somewhere. And I I knew he was going to be some, someday the Mr. Olympia. It just, it happened faster than what I would have loved, liked it to be with against me. Right. Mm -hmm. But man, you know, he, uh, he kind of set the standard and, you know, he's going to go down his history as one of the greatest. And, uh, you know, I'm just uh, I'm more upset that he didn't win 10 than, you know, him beating me, to be honest. Are you guys still close? Yeah, we, we speak, you know, we speak. We're not as close as we once were just because life gets busy. And, you know, we both, you know, I, I guess I don't know if he's necessarily retired. I don't want to speak for him, but like he uh, obviously things get busier in life and, you know, more important things. And we just try to buy time. Right. We just, you know, try to use utilize our time most important, but like my days are just nonstop, you know? So, but I'm still keeping up with, so we have social, like social media is easy because we can all watch each other. Right. right. And progress. Sometimes we sit in bed and watch the stories each night and that's how we kind of keep up, you know? Oh yeah. 
Um, so. so tell me, tell me about man. I just want to touch on a little bit about your relationship with Ronnie Coleman and just competing mm-hmm. with Ronnie. Obviously, you know, arguably, you know, he, he eight, eight missed Olympias, man. It's hard to hard to say he wasn't one of the greatest of all time. And you were the guy standing there pushing him. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's no doubt he wouldn't have been as great as he was if you weren't standing there right beside him every single time. Uh, and I'm curious how how that felt the entire time, both from perspective of just being there against Ronnie and also being there just kind of like coming short a number of times in a row. Yeah, so to go back to the to the night of champions victory in 2000, it's kind of funny because Ronnie Coleman called me after prejudging and wished me congratulations. And at the time, he was already Mr. Olympia. And I thought it was kind of funny, Ben, because I didn't really know how bodybuilding worked. I was so relatively new to competing. I only had competed in, you know, a few, like three amateur shows. And then once I got to the pros, like I did, you know, like three, four shows. And next thing you know, I was winning a pro show. So he called me and said, congratulations. I said, well, the night show hasn't happened yet. I haven't won. He's like, no, you won. You won. So it was kind of like, I was like, man, this is awesome. And uh, I, he was my idol. So when I was able to, like I said, compete with him in 2000 at that European tour and stand next to him. And then of course, 2001 and like, man, I was so happy in 01. Like everyone's like, man, you, you should have won. And I'm like, no, no, relax. I still got second to the greatest bodybuilder ever, you know? And year after year, you get a little more frustrated. Like we traveled, we did guest appearances together. We trained on the road, the magazines. And you remember this because you were a magazine guy, like they would build up like there was animosity like between us, right? But we were like, he's the most friendly, respectful guy, but he truly never thought Jay Cutler could beat him. Like he he had no fear of anyone because, you know, after he had won, like, I mean, he no one trained like him. No one like just had the genetics at the time. So like he would always say, you know, Jay would have to be reborn with better genetics to beat me. And I knew like age was a factor in bodybuilding. I mean, we all we all fight father time. Right. So as I progressed and I, I knew that Ronnie was, remember he's 10 years older than me. So, you know, when I won my first at 33, he was 43. So I knew that, you know, time was quick. And if I could just, I was more worried about staying on top and going through the guys that challenged me, like Gustavo Bedell and four and five and Gunter Schleerkamp, when he came and beat Ronnie Coleman in 2002, they talked about him coming in 2003. And then, of course, the Dexter Jacksons, the Chris Cormiers, and all these people that every year, Ben, there was someone come that was going to come take Jay's position, right? And every year it was the same result, me, Ronnie, and then everybody else. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, 01, 02, I sat out another I don't know if I regret it. I think as I get a little older, I start to regret it more because I might've won that year. Oh, three second, oh, four second, oh, five second. And then on oh, six, I won. Right. So, and then Ronnie was never the same after oh, six. Remember he came back in oh, seven. He wasn't the Ronnie Coleman anymore. So, but our relationship on the road was amazing. Like we trained together. um, We laughed together. We ate together. Uh, we were rivals, but we respect each other so much. And you're right. I, I feel that Ronnie was better because I was pushing him. And I definitely, if I wasn't chasing Ronnie Coleman, I never would have pushed as hard. I mean, I, I changed up a lot of my workouts and I used to watch his DVDs to try to get ideas on, okay, what can I do differently to improve my physique? And I went to work at that Gold's gym at Decatur where we met and were able to kind of, that was kind of my home base. And, you know, I worked my ass off, but like, I knew he was always working harder. I can tell you, we would go on these guest spots and we would land in these 
guest, they would bring us in as the one, two guys. Like everyone wanted that rivalry because it was like such a big story for the books. And I remember he would get off the plane and didn't matter what time it was, if it was 11 o'clock at night, Ronnie Coleman was like, let's go to the gym. And I used to be like, man, I'm tired. I don't want to go to the gym. But that guy, like he just had no off switch. Right. And to this day, he still stays up all night. Like he goes to bed at seven in the morning. I mean, he worked as a police officer. So I think he ran, you know, he worked the graveyard shift or whatever. So like he, he was just a machine, man. No one, no one worked harder than that guy in the gym. You know, he had genetics to eat kind of the way we've seen its diet a little bit with, you know, eating what he did, but man, he was just dedicated as it came. Do you think his training is what caused the current scenario or was it something else? He says, he says not, but I think, you know, definitely he trained. Um, I mean, if you watch the form, I'm not going to sit there and tell you that when someone's right or wrong, but I used to watch him bent row five, 500 pounds. And I mean, that just can't like your body can only take that so much. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. squatting. I mean, I know he, he, he had the 800 pound squat, but listen, he would do seven plates anytime we went on the road twice a week yeah and i Mm. only trained a body part once every five to seven days Uh, he trained body parts twice yeah so i just think the wear and tear you know in that constant i mean think about when you you, when you have six seven hundred pounds on your back and your spine you know it's bouncing because those plates the bar is doing this right yeah it can't be great on 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 your body and we can rave about tissue work and i was the king of tissue work Yep. You know, your body can only, your skeletal muscles can only take, so. you know, you can't just, you just can't take it. It breaks down. Yeah, man. So I, I was very blessed as a bodybuilder to travel the world and, and you've traveled much more than me. What are some of your favorite stories about while you're competing, uh, some of the things that happen in your travels? Oh, man. I mean, when I, when I got to be overseas for the first time, I remember Ed Connors got me over to FIBO in 99 for the first time. And remember I was, you know, I just, got fourth at the Arnold and third at the pro Ironman. This is when I really came on the scene and I never realized there was that fan base in a German country. Yeah. Like it was the FIBO. If anyone's ever been to that show, it's the biggest fitness expo probably in the world, you know, crazy. and people were just, you know, coming up to me and trying to speak to me. And, you know, of course a lot of people speak English, but there was, you know, I just didn't understand a lot of the language, but I just never realized that. And to, you know, training those different cultures and, you know, I remember going to Peru and visiting the orphanages there and being able to see that culture in South America, you know, Brazil for the first time and be able to go to Rio and, and see the fan base there. And then of course, Dubai, I went in 2008. I was one of the first bodybuilders to go over there and the city wasn't even built up. Um, it's just the cultures. It's, it's unexplainable that bodybuilding is bigger overseas than it is in the United States and the respect factor is there. And, and people ask why. And I think it's because, you know, we don't have the basketball and the, the, you know, the U S football, um, big stars, you know, they don't have those over there. They're soccer stars or, you know, some of these places it's cricket or whatever else, but bodybuilding is like a big thing to do there. I mean, you go to Kuwait, I mean, I remember going there and, and realizing that, okay, there's no women allowed in the gyms and no alcohol. So Friday night at a Kuwait gym is like, it's like a nightclub I mean, guy packed and everyone's jacked. I mean, everyone wants to be in shape and, you know, the health aspect, but, you know, going to Australia, you know, going 
in touring Australia and Perth with Dexter Jackson 2000 and us being like, we were kind of nobodies as, as I looked in bodybuilding, but we were such big stars there. Like those cultures, like I'll never forget, you know, being introduced to that, those kind of fans and realizing that this wasn't just in Massachusetts and in California and, you know, you travel to the Olympia in Vegas and, you know, you have your fans that come in. It's, it's worldwide recognition. And that's when you realize how far fitness has really gone. And it's even bigger today. Did you compete against, uh, did you compete in Russia? Did you compete against? Federer? I did. I did. Uh, 2000, 2003, Ronnie won. I was second and Fedorov was third. And uh, I remember they built him up you know, to become the next, it was like a Rocky four type thing. And he was yeah. the guy that was going to come take the title from Ronnie. And of course, step right over me. And he was a young guy and, you know, stay, you know, have being in that culture, like it was crazy, man. Like we went on a tour there, you know, after the Olympia and it was just, it was incredible to see these places. Yeah. Why do you think all these guys are dying, Jay? Do you think it's the drugs? Do you think it's, it's, um, what do you think it is? Too much, um, too much weight? You know, it's a tough question. You know, I definitely think that, you know, the bodybuilder's mentality is, um, you know, I'm fine because I look a certain way. Yeah. And I think people are scared to do, I think as a bodybuilder, to be honest, especially, you know, when you're using performance enhancing, and I, don't, I, I know there's this thing, HRT, everyone, call, I'm on HRT, but there's a little confusion of HRT now because, HRT is, is usually monitored by a doctor and they check your testosterone levels. And if it gets over a certain amount, uh, they start pulling down. I don't think anyone, people say, well, you know, I'm over a thousand or I'm 1400 or let, let's be realistic. I mean, you need to be in like the three digits, you know, you need to be at like five, 600. You, you shouldn't be at 1400 or 2000 or, you know, your test levels. I just don't think it's safe for that. But as a bodybuilder, I think we're all scared to hear what we don't want to hear. Okay. Yeah. And I feel that as a, as someone that uses HRT or any kind of performance enhancing or the supplementation or SAR, anything like over the counter stuff, that's, that's doing things to help you build a bigger physique. You need to have blood work more than once a year. I, I believe you should. And blood work doesn't always tell the story. You know, now they have uh, you know, scans for your heart and whatever else that you need to, you know, do your CT scans and just, you know, you have to be aware that I think the food, you know, the, the crazy diets that these bodybuilders are on, I think, you know, lack of cardio because you don't want to lose size, um, you know, not going to the doctor, not doing these things. I just feel like people just don't want to realize it. And definitely, Definitely been, I mean, listen, back in the Gaspari days, Lee Haney, like guys weren't approaching 300 pounds. Yeah. Bodybuilders weren't training at the Olympia level into their late 30s and 40s. Bodybuilders stopped. And the truth is, is like I woke up at 40 years old. And I think the biggest decision I made was like, you know what? I just don't want to take the drugs anymore. Yeah. I truly didn't want to take the drugs anymore. because. It was easy in the beginning for me because I was a guy that, you know, I mean, it was like, okay, basic testosterone. It was like one, two things. And I remember training for shows and it was like one or two things. And then eventually it's like, you see these protocols and you know, the, the gurus come out and they say, okay, you got to take this. You got to take that. You got to take, you got to change this. It's like, it's just, it was just too much. 
it's it too much. And, it comes to chemistry contest. Yes, and, and and let's be honest, man. Like, who really knows the right protocol? And who's to say? Like, you train a certain way, I train a certain way. I eat certain foods. Like, I can't eat oatmeal because of gluten, but I eat cream of rice. Or like, you know, some people they don't eat eggs. They eat chicken breast for breakfast because they just don't react. Like, who's to say these protocols? work for one person and don't and they're not dangerous for one or the other everyone has different genetics but the truth is also is that you know it's the gene makeup right yeah. and we just we don't really know and that's a, a huge factor it's a huge factor and uh and i just think that you know we're coming into that age now and you just and there's a lot of circumstance with, with what you do and how you take care of yourself. And, you know, and no one wants to be that one, right? It's a scary, scary thing. But a guy at 47, 48, 50 years old, I just don't think it's healthy when you're five foot nine or 10 and you're approaching 300 pounds. Yeah. So, so the answer is it's probably all of it, right? It, it is the drugs. It is the food. Uh, one of the big things that people, nobody talks about is like bodybuilders eat right up to the time they go to bed, they go to sleep and they're, they're not sleeping when they're sleeping, right? Their, their eyes are closed. Their brain feels like it's closed, but their body's processing food and that's throwing off their circadian rhythm. They wake up in the morning, they're tired. So they're taking stimulants to get going and just gets this, this negative circle. And I think that's ultimately what's causing a lot of the heart issues. These guys just never allow their body to, to, to like relax and actually recoup. So they take more juice so they can recover from that because ultimately ultimately steroids are gonna help you over overcome that stuff. But it ends up being this this negative spiral that causes your heart to to stop, which is shitty, man. Like I'm sure you lost it as many or more friends than me, you know. And it's um it's man, it's sad because like you, you build great relationships with these guys, they're great humans, and then you lose them. And don't get me wrong, Ben, like if you said at 25, like listen, you can win the Olympia but it's going to shave 10 or 20 years off your life. I would have made the decision to win the Olympia because yeah. at that age, like where, like I mentioned, like where our whole goal is just winning, right? We don't think about family and like the future. I, even though I, I mean, people look at me and say, Oh, Jay, you're a smart, smart business guy. You prepare for the future. But truthfully, like I, I'm going to be a hundred with you. Like if you gave me that choice at 25, I probably would have shaved at 10 or 20 years off. But looking back now and don't 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 think i'm sitting on this 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 video and saying hey i didn't do this or i didn't do that because listen is i did everything i did everything there was in bodybuilding and and yes i was careful i believe i was more careful i can honestly tell you that um with you know my blood tests and and seeing doctors and and doing as much as i could but once again it was a kamikaze schedule where it was like, you know, you read my stories about how much meat I ate and how much, how many meals eating a thousand grams of carbs a day. I mean, how much can you bang your head against the wall for results and not have it have a net negative side effect on your body? And, and I'm very thankful now at my age that I'm a hundred percent healthy, but you know what? You just, you just don't know. I mean, you just don't know but you, you don't want to make excuses for it, you know? So I just try to tell everyone like health comes first, health comes first. And, uh, you know, that's why I think a lot of bodybuilders now are leading away from, you know, trying to be a professional bodybuilder. They just want to look better. And, you know, bodybuilding as we see is not as competitive. I feel like it was way more competitive when I was on top. Yeah. I think there's a lot of reasons for sure. Um, so Jay, I know you're an incredibly successful businessman now. You're a family man. What do you do outside of those two things to 
but I'll say fill your soul or have fun. Um, you know what? I, I've been trying to travel like prior to the pandemic. Um, you know, I was doing quite a bit of travel. You know, that's the one thing about, you know, being with Angie and, you know, she really keeps me young, which is great, even though she's only a few years younger than I am. And, you know, she's opened up my eyes to what real life is, you know, and I got I got to experience a different culture. You know, she comes from a Puerto Rican background. So we, you know, we, we travel and try to do different things. And I'm not a super active guy as far as like playing other sports or anything like that. But, you know, just trying, like you mentioned, you know, shut the brain off and take it out of business because somehow when you own your own business and I don't only do supplements, I mean, I'm involved with all my, all my business aspects here in Vegas. Like I do need that break. Right. So whether it's going to a movie or going to a nice dinner, going to a show. I mean, that's why we love Vegas. Take, taking a trip to California, spend time on the beach. You know, my dogs, I have the two little Yorkies that give me so much happiness, but you know, she has been incredibly helpful to make me better and shut my mind away from being Jay Cutler, like who I am. Right. Because social media, it's very hard to escape. I mean, I'm very active on social. If you, look today, even storylines and stuff, you know, I'm promoting all always, you know, what I'm doing in a day's time. You know, I went to the gym and worked out. I get up and do my fasted cardio. I, I hate to say it, but my work is my excitement of the day. If yeah, that makes any sense. Totally. And, and, you know, I know I have an influence on a lot of people, millions of people, but um, you know, like tonight, we're going to spend some time. We're going to shut off. And uh, you know, I've been really trying to take the weekends. We just got back from a trip. We were in Florida. We stayed on the beach for a few days and went to see my family and like just trying to do the extra things that mean something in life. And, you know, I always say the greatest thing that I look forward to right now is time. You know, it's not nothing is done necessarily for financial um, or, you know, really the self satisfaction I get is just the time that I can spend and be healthy and not have to worry about what I'm eating anymore or what body part I have to train or what contest is coming up. Right. right. So what you're doing right now, is this something you want to continue to do for the next 10 years? Or I mean, yeah, I just, you know, people say what's, what's on, what's on your bucket list? Well, I want to visit Thailand. I want to go to, we want to go to Bali. We have friends there. So that's on our list now that the world is starting to get back to somewhat normalcy again. And, uh, we have that on a bucket list. Uh, you know, we just spoke about, you know, heading to Puerto Rico again and spending some time there. And every day is an adventure for me every day. And, uh, you know, I just look forward to waking up every morning and I feel great. Um, and, you know, that's that's what I look forward to on a daily basis. I don't have anything that I'm like, oh, I need to get this done before it's too late. You want to go surfing with BPAC and Costa You know, Rica? hey, man, I would I would love to learn. I just don't know how good. I have a longboard. You know, I get on my longboard out here. People are like, you're crazy, man. And, and trust me, I had my fall in the street, you know. <laughs> but I still do it. I got my ATVs. You know, I, I just, the stuff that I couldn't necessarily do and and uh, get out there. I have a beautiful place in Vegas. Like I said, we can uh, we can experience a lot here. The weather's, the weather's uh, pretty solid. And I'm grateful for who you are as a bodybuilder. You're a leader to me. I'm grateful for who you are as a person, as a human now, man. Thank you very much for coming on and, and being such a great man and being such a, a, a humble uh, guest. So, Jay, thanks for your time, man. I really want to come down and work out at your gym one of these days, though. Dude, we, we got to get one in. Well, we'll still show the youngins how it's done, man. So we'll still get after it. So do you still training barefoot? Of course. Yes, 100% of the time. <laughs>
I piss people off all the time, especially when I'm in other gyms, but I do it. You know what, Ben? I would have to say you're the pioneer of guys training without their shoes. So anyone that's watching or listening to this, you started it. Dude, 2007, I was wearing toe shoes in Gold's Venice. And everyone's like, what are those things? (laughs) And everyone's like, yeah, this, yeah, totally. And And I always thought, man, you know, listen, I had the crazy legs too, but you had the outstanding leg development i said is that the secret to developing those quads secret well i think it's just for me it was a secret to not getting knee pain that was yeah. the secret. like yeah i probably could have had the equal quads without the, the no shoes but I, it really helped me not get knee and hip pain so that was what it was for me well listen man i always appreciate it look forward to catching up in the future man thank you for having me on and uh shout out to everyone out there that uh got the opportunity to listen to this little bit of background Oh, dude. So great. Can you tell us uh, about your supplement company, where they can find it if they want to pick it up? Yeah. Jaycutler.com. I mean, pretty much, you know, Instagram, Cutler Nutrition, uh, I'm mostly direct to consumer. So you can buy it on the website, Amazon. It's all on Amazon. And uh, it's, like I mentioned, it's in Canada. Uh, we're kind of expanding now and trying to launch in a few other areas. But at the same time, uh, more importantly, guys, make sure you guys stay on a good diet before you get into supplementation and uh, make sure you check it out. That's all. Awesome. Legitimately good products. I've had the opportunity to try a few and they're great. So I'll give you a shout out to that and definitely doing a great job there too. Appreciate it so much, man. Thanks, brother. And that's a wrap, ladies and gents. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm sitting here in gorgeous Costa Rica, really recharging my batteries. And I encourage each and every one of you to carve time in your week, carve time in your day to recharge. It's amazing to me the difference I notice in my mental performance, in my physical performance, in my attitude, in my energy, in my mood, when I take just a little bit of time to myself, when I take just a little bit of time to invest in me, to invest in my health, to invest in my well-being, to invest in my peace of mind, my performance on the top end goes up, my ability to recover and uh, rest really goes up. I feel like truly a new person who brings new levels of possibility to the world. I find that throughout COVID, uh, it was challenging. I was tired. Uh, you know, at times it's it's hard when your entire routine, your entire world kind of gets turned upside down. So I empathize with all of you. And uh, my suggestion is sometimes it's necessary to take a step or two back in order to really step forward and be your highest and best, the person you know that you were sent here to become. And so I want to encourage each and every one of you guys to slow down and reflect and breathe. And uh, I know it's hard. I know there's a lot going on. I know it's very challenging financially for a lot of people. And um, I don't take that lightly. I think the world is going through some interesting changes and as all are we. And I know for me personally, the biggest um, leaps forward in my life have come always after periods of extensive reflection. So if you can, build it into your life, make time, make some sacrifices and and build some reflection into your life. Just like Jay Cutler did in this episode and told us about how he would reflect on his wins, he would reflect on his losses and ultimately step into being the best version of himself. I find Jay such an inspiring person because ultimately he was so committed to his craft. And I think many of us lack that, right? Many of us, especially modern society, are getting pulled in every which way in every different direction. It's very hard to stay focused. And if you can learn to stay focused on the things that you absolutely love and things you're absolutely inspired to do, then you can ultimately thrive. And even if you're not inspired to do the things you're doing, maybe taking a step back to ask yourself, what does inspire me? 
Like, what would I do for the rest of my life if I didn't have to be paid for it? And to be honest, I have that question kind of looming in the back of my mind all the time too. I don't know that I've nailed it for myself, right? I do, I, I do know that I love to coach probably more than anything. I love to coach. I love to see people just turn on the light bulbs, right? And, and I do that. We have such an amazing group. I currently coach 20 really high-level gentlemen who are high achievers, right? And, and it's helping them unlock the highest level of their physiology and the highest level of their psychology. I think that's really what you would say I do. It's teaching you how to access a new gear, both physically and mentally, that most people simply didn't know they have. And that to me is so fun, right? I often talk about people who um, begin where everyone else ends. And that's to me is what is most inspiring and the people that I find most inspiring. And I get to work with these people on a regular basis and I truly love it. So um, thank you everyone for being here. Thank you to Jay Cutler. Thank you to our sponsors for today by Optimizers. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z. E-R-S, bioptimizers.com and get hooked up with the code MUSCLE10. You can take any of their products. I suggest that at very least start with Masszyme. You should be taking those with every meal that has protein. I take about one to two, depending on the size of the meal. If a smaller meal, one capsule is enough. Larger meal, two is great. Now that's with the meal for me personally. And away from meals, I take as many as five to 10 Masszymes to really help my body break down any inflammatory markers any gut digestion issues that I'm having that really helps me to kind of bring down my overall inflammatory uh, status in the body. So uh, without further rambling for me, ladies and gents, thank you for being here. I truly appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate the share of this episode. If you did enjoy this podcast, please share it with at least one person you know and love and ultimately someone who wants to live their greatest life in a body they love. My mission in this world is ultimately to empower men and women with the knowledge and skill set to express the greatness within them. And that means optimization of your physiology, optimization of your psychology. Thank you for being here. Thank you for always joining the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. And I can't wait to see you again soon. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.